Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the one and only Dave Fremlin Show. I am the one and only Dave Fremlin, and you are listening to me. Yay! So today is a, well, what day is it? Today is May 17th, 2022, a Tuesday. It is gorgeous outside here in the lovely central Florida, the Sunshine State. It is 12 o'clock noon. And what do I want to talk about today? Well, I think the first and most obvious thing are the shootings that happened over the weekend. I, um, I don't know anything about them, except for I know one thing, and that's the part I want to talk about. I don't need to know who the shooter was, where it happened, who got shot. I don't care. You know what I care about is that what will happen is that this shooting or these shootings will be used... You are listening to the Dave Fremlin Show. Wanted to share with anyone who's interested out there. Um, it takes a so, super uh, duper long time. Yeah. To boot it up. Um, and so I. Anyways, and now tonight I'm gonna not give you some information. Yay! A doctor, um, which I forgot what it is. Right. You are listening to the Dave Fremlin Show. Yay. I guess we'll see what happens, right? To try to prove, to try to connect a certain group of people and gun control. So, I want to say this. Whether the shooter is right-wing, left-wing, Democrat, liberal, Republican, whatever, he or she does not, gay, straight, whatever, does not represent the group as a whole. So, if the shooter is a straight man who's white, that does not mean that he represents all straight white men, okay? He represents himself. That's the whole point of the United States. We each represent ourselves. So, and if he's a Democrat, he does not represent all Democrats. And if he's a white supremacist, he doesn't represent all white supremacists. He represents himself and needs to be treated as such. Instead, and this comes from both sides of the aisle, but mostly from the left, Instead, the tragedy will be used to try to link a certain person, type of person, to group of people, a certain behavior to group of behaviors to certain groups. And I'm telling you, it doesn't work that way, okay? The responsible, legally functioning, Second Amendment protecting gun owners, they don't behave in a way that is consistent with this person. And so when they talk about, oh, we got to control the guns, we got to control the guns. No, you got to control the crazy people. And in fact, you don't even have to control the crazy people. The FBI, the authorities, they knew who this person was. And all they had to do was arrest him. Put a red flag on him, keep him from purchasing weapons, monitor him, whatever it is that legally is available under the Fourth Amendment and First Ten Amendments of the Constitution. It's not that hard to figure out, okay? But one person who doesn't act does not represent all gun owners, all gun behavior. What they don't tell you, so let's say there's three shootings. What they don't tell you is how many not shootings there were by gun owners. So one person shoots people, but the other 8 million gun owners do not. And so if you're looking at percentages, you're talking about like an eighth of a percent. 
and an eighth of a percent is not an epidemic make, as we learned with COVID. So um, my point is, when you see, or I see, I should talk about myself, when I see headlines or hear headlines about a shooter did this, a shooter did that, and all the white supremacists are to blame, and Donald Trump, blah, 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 blah. What I know is it is 99.99% propaganda. This shooter was known, could have been prevented, was not prevented on purpose in order to have a scene. These are going to, and by the way, these are going to happen more and more and more until election time because the left people, the Marxists that are currently in power, the left regime, they're not going to let it go. They're not going to win elections, and they're going to do everything they can to prevent ever having an election again. And that means you are listening to the one and only Dave Fremlin Show on Podbean. Martial law, if they can get enough crime to happen. Okay, so there's going to be a document signed at the World Health Organization next week. And that document gives the World Health Organization complete and utter power to declare a world health ec- epidemic. And if they decide that gun violence is a worldwide threat in the United States, they can, after this document is signed, come in with forces and try to quell it. So my point is, these things are going to be ramped up in such a way as to coincide with the WHO taking power And then they're going to try to use it to take away our Second Amendment rights. And what I recommend to each and every American who's a gun owner is that you resist. We have rights from God, not from government. The right to own a gun, to own arms and bear arms, doesn't come from the government. The government is put there to protect that right. So if you have a government that is not protecting that right, they are a treasonous government. Period. The Bill of Rights, the Constitution, is clearly spelled out. The government is put in place to protect the Constitution. If they do not do that, they are committing a crime against the United States. Not the other way around. They will twist it and turn it and mortify it and morph it to make it look like they're protecting the freedom, but they're really taking it away. And I highly recommend to anybody who's listening, if you're a gun owner, keep your guns. And, um, and don't, don't buy into the hoopla. We know, we as responsible gun owners, responsible people, we know we don't behave in a certain way. And we know that the left needs to show that people that don't behave a certain way behave a certain way. And in order to do that, they need to twist and reframe and remold and remodel the truth until it turns into a lie. So my first topic of utmost importance, it's a double. First of all, do not pay attention to the propaganda surrounding gun violence. Gun violence is committed by individual crazies and people that break the law It does not reflect or represent gun owners as a group, okay, or whatever color skin or whatever religious background or whatever group 
they're not representing that group. They're representing themselves. Maybe they're a part of a group, but the group didn't say, hey, go do this thing on our behalf. Raise our flag. No, this person acted on behalf of himself, even if he's a member of a certain group. Okay, and the group is not to be blamed because groups have a right. In the, in the United States, we have the right freedom of assembly. We can join any group we want. The group can have any ideology that it wants. And the ideology can be violent. As long as the violent crimes are not committed, the ideology is still legitimate. Understand? It is okay to think in a violent way. It is not okay to commit a crime. I think a lot of times about people I'd like to strangle. But do I go out and strangle them? No. That is the borderline between crazy and non-crazy. And the crazy person needs to be dealt with. A criminal needs to be dealt with as criminal. Crazy needs to be dealt with as crazy. But you do not conflate the crazy with the sane just because they're a member of a certain group that has an ideology you disagree with. All ideologies can become violent if they feel threatened enough. Even the most peaceful people if they're backed into a corner, they will become violent to protect themselves. That is the whole point of the Second Amendment. Read about the background papers of the Second Amendment. Okay, A person who is being attacked will automatically try to defend themselves. They automatically will. They'll pick up a stick, a rock, whatever. Humans being attacked will automatically, they will not just acquiesce and die. It's very rare. And that right does not go away just because somebody says you can't do that. So those rights, they, they don't, they're inalienable. They don't come from outside of me. I'm Dave Fremlin, and you are listening to the one and only Dave Fremlin Show. And they come from within, from God, you know? So anyway, that's my point about that. My other topic, which is of utmost importance, is about restless leg syndrome, of course, and having a Liz Frank injury more specifically. I have a Liz Frank foot fracture. And when I had my surgery, it's called an ORIF surgery, O-R-I-F. I don't know what it means. Orthopedic uh, repair, something, something, I don't know. Um... It involves having a hardware placed in the bones in order to stabilize the fracture. And um, it then leaves, of course, a lingering pain. And I was told when I had my surgery that it was a life-changing surgery. And I said, okay, that's fine. Whatever, my life will change. I did not understand what that meant. And I'm still not 100% sure I know what it means. But I know this. I have pain in my foot 24-7. Sometimes it's worse. Sometimes it's better. I also have restless leg syndrome. So the two of those things combined make a very uncomfortable period of time from probably 5 in the afternoon until 5 in the morning. And uh, there is no answer. So, you know, I've tried a lot of things for the restless leg syndrome. They help and then they don't help. Uh, as far as the Liz Frank fracture, um, I refuse to let the current level of pain that I'm in 
I refuse to let it ruin my life. However, that being said, after it's been almost two years now, and I have visited some websites that have what do you call write-in uh, chat group where people can write in their comments about their Liz Frank fractures. And I gather that the first two to five years of a Liz Frank fracture are more difficult than after that because I think that at a certain point, a person just acclimates to certain things or something else comes up and takes your mind off of it or whatever. But I do get that if you don't get pretty much healed in the first eight months to a year and there's pain after that, there's going to be pain after that. So um, I'm at going on two years. I have the same pain that I had four months ago, five months ago. It hasn't really changed since post-op. And it got to a certain level that I can tolerate. But here's where the life-changing part comes in. I don't have to quit doing every single thing that I do. Okay, I can still do some dancing. Not as good as I was. It hurts a lot more. Not as excited about it. Can't do as much walking. I love to walk, but I can't walk as much. Can't do a lot of things as much. There's the key word, as much as I used to do. I can still do, but then I get in pain and I have to stop. And where the life change comes in, and I don't think that it's any different than life-changing events of any other kind. A person my age, okay, I'm 58 years old. I'll finally admit it since I'm going to be 60 sooner than not. If you don't have things falling apart on you, you ain't living. Seriously. So I have many things that have fallen apart. And I have Liz Frank fracture. And I'm finally, after two years almost, coming to terms with a thing called chronic pain. Now, there's nothing I can do about it. There's no painkiller available for me. I don't need a painkiller, okay? Um, what I need to do, what I'm doing, what I'd like to do, what I am doing, is learning how, first of all, I got on a support group. Okay, I'm on multiple pages and I can read other people's experiences and I can comment on my own experience and how what I do and what I have ascertained and given the restless leg syndrome, what I went through with the medications and the drugs and all that, I have come to the conclusion that if I'm going to grow. The Dave Fremlin Show is now available on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio. If you like listening to The Dave Fremlin Show, don't forget to follow me and subscribe to my podcast and share me with a friend. Thank you and have a nice day. Oh, order, which I intend to do. Then I need to be able to adapt to higher and more levels of pain and discomfort. Okay, what are the choices? So... How I am currently, first of all, I'm finally coming to terms with the life-changing aspect of the Liz Frank fracture. And what is going to change in my life? Well, I love dancing. I love tap dancing. 
but I just don't see it as a weekly hobby, weekly hobby anymore. Maybe on occasion, I feel like going to a tab class or something like that. The, the current school I'm going to doesn't have regular beginner tab classes and so but being a performer um being a singer and dancer on a stage in front of an audience as much as i enjoyed it while i enjoyed it and there may be opportunities again i'm not shutting out opportunities but as a focus i think i'm it's time to focus on something more sedentary now i am a writer i am a director I do enjoy writing and reading plays and directing plays, short plays, especially 10-minute plays. I'm getting involved in a group that does that, um, which I'm very excited about. And But I think that I have to learn to take my focus off of some of the... I, 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 I've been a physical person my whole life. I rely on physicality, but it might just be time. And another thing I want to talk about I had this grandmother, my mother's mother. I was very close to her as a child. I miss her still. Now, the day she died, I was aware that she was going to die about three days before she died, maybe five days, three to five days before she died. I knew she was going to die. In fact, I had a fight with my mother over it. I told my mom, you better accept it. Your mom's going to die. She's like, don't talk that way about my mother. And I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. Three days later, my grandmother had a fatal heart attack early in the morning, around nine in the morning. Now that moment, my mom was not home. Nobody was home. I was home alone, probably getting ready for school. I think I was in the early years of college at that time. The moment of my grandmother's death, which I had no way to know because there was no like instant phone call. Okay, the moment, which I found out the moment later because it's on paperwork. The moment of my grandmother's death, I felt in my stomach, in my heart, in my chest, in my neck, in my shoulders, uh, in my waist, especially in my viscera, a very strong, like a punch. I felt just, I was standing, I remember I was buttoning my pants. And I was feeling like I had just been punched, kicked in the gut. And my whole body like felt like a shockwave. And I felt like, what was that? And then I had a very strong sense of my grandmother, but not of her being in the room with me. Of her inhabiting me. And I don't want to say full-on inhabitation. Not, I'm not like demon-possessed. But I felt like a thread of my grandmother joining threads of myself. And the immediate thought process I had, now remember I was like 18 or 19 years old. I was very young. I had not had a lot of spirituality. I had, you know, just what I learned as a kid. But I did have a very close, very spiritual, artistic connection to my grandmother. The, the connection was through art. And through compassion, my grandmother understood things in a way that I felt comfortable with her, more so than my mother and father. 
And when she died, the moment of her death, I felt this very odd. Hi, I'm Dave Fremland, host of the Dave Fremland Show on Podbean. Now you can listen to me on Spotify also, but please support my podcast by clicking the follow button on the Podbean or Spotify app. Thank you for listening and have a nice day. Kick in the stomach feeling. And then I felt like threads of my grandmother kind of joining me. And what my immediate thought was, well, if I was grandma and I didn't want to die completely, if I wanted to, if I wanted to stay on earth and be a part of life, which person could I, do I feel, which person is a person I can express myself through? And I believe, and I've believed this my whole life, I believe she chose me to continue to be an artist. I think my grandmother really liked expressing herself in art, and I feel like she knew I was that way too. We had a personality connection. And I think when she died, her spirit, her soul, gave me a little shot of her. And I must say that at that time in my life, I was in a very tumultuous time. Obviously, I was a teenager and my family life wasn't so fun. And I was, you know, not having a good time. I was probably doing drugs. And my grandmother giving me a hit of herself. In that moment, there was a moment of maturity, a bump up, a bump up in maturity, let's say between where I was and like where I then was a moment, only a moment later. It was this momentary, and it lasted forever. But the moment that my grandmother died, there was this hit inside of me of her and a bump up in my maturity level, like not consciousness. I just suddenly wanted to be a better person. And, uh, And since then, I have expressed myself artistically throughout my life and a lot of my art looks a lot like my grandmother's art and when I'm painting I often feel like she's there with me in the room helping me paint I remember her a lot when I'm painting the reason I mentioned this there is a reason it was in my head a second ago and it flew out and um, it will come back the reason I mention it is because um I decide, this goes along with my restless legs and my foot pain. My grandmother, she was a heavy, heavy smoker. She had a lot of pain in her legs. It was difficult for her to walk. Um, she had, I guess, all kinds of things related to smoking. But she always would be in pain. She had arthritis, bunions. Her feet hurt all the time. And I just think it's ironic that at my age, 58... I have the same complaint that my grandma Eva had around the time she was 58. In her late 50s, she started to have pain, discomfort, maybe a little bit older than that. But she was always a smoker, always that. So what if that little piece of my grandmother that lives inside of me is also still manifesting things from her own life? Which is okay with me. If I have to grow up and be my grandmother, 
I would be totally okay with that. Everybody loved my grandmother. She was the sweetest old lady you ever met. She was honest. She was sometimes brutally honest, but she was very compassionate. She was a pediatrician and an artist. And um, I feel like that she's with me right now. I feel like when I have this pain in my foot and I'm uncomfortable at three in the morning, it makes me think, well, maybe my grandmother did actually give me a piece of her and I'm actually experiencing some of her experience. And I'm not saying I'm demon possessed or soul possessed. I'm saying that a loved one who passed had a soul and that soul maybe wanted to help me in my own life and maybe they wanted to continue having expression of life themselves and so they chose me to share not sharing my body with my grandmother, but like a thread of her, like a thread, like picture a tapestry and then just picture one thread, but a glorious thread. You are listening to the one and only Dave Fremlin show on Podbean. And I feel like that's what's happened. And I was talking to my mother the other day and I was talking about my discomfort and my pain and how I deal with it. And I said, you know, my grandmother would frequently talk about that she was uncomfortable or in pain and then she was sedentary and she wanted to be more active or this or that. And I, I feel very much the same. And uh, so it's very possible. But the, the reason I mention it is because I, f- I feel like part of the answer, not the whole answer, but a huge part of the answer is to find a way because it's not going to go away or maybe it will. I don't know if it does great. If it doesn't, then I have to learn to cope with it. And if I can find ways to accept that I'm uncomfortable, it's not the end of the world. There's still, I can still have fun. I can still do things that bring me joy. I can still do things that give me satisfaction. I just have to find ways to ease my discomfort or distract myself from it. And um, if I think about my grandmother and how she dealt with it, and I think about how she, her attitude was, well, I'm in pain. You know, she still got up and did her thing. She moved very slowly. And I move very slowly. So I, th- I just want to like, I guess the basic topic of this portion of the podcast is about acceptance because I don't think there's another answer. And I think that acceptance goes across the board. And if there's a way to find a spiritual level of acceptance, whether it's a, a soul of a, of a loved one, I believe very heavily in God, the God, God of Abraham. But I, <coughs> I sometimes... You know, God has a lot of work to do in the world and is a busy, busy, busy being. And I sometimes feel like I access God. I access God directly most of the time. But I also feel like sometimes, you know, we have people on earth. All, all people on earth have a soul and that soul is meant to connect with other souls. And the reason is because we are not just physical beings. And so on the soul level, I still feel like I'm in a relationship with my grandmother and that I feel like if I can access the soul level 
just on one, it's only one generate one level away, my soul to my grandmother. I feel like on the days that I can't fully access God, the idea of being accepting of a soul relationship and have a, not just accepting of it, an actual like real experience of it. It is an acceptance of more being than just physical being. And that opens me up to God on the days that I, I'm always open to God, but on the days when I feel more physical and more grounded in like my pain and in like what's wrong and frustration and all those physical human things, it feels really distant from God. I don't have to go, God help me. I, I need like, I, yeah, that helps. But sometimes the connection is just on a more close, more personal, more intimate like one-to-one, I don't want to say that. That's the wrong wording because it sounds like God isn't intimate with me. But what I mean is, like, I really feel like I'm accessing my, I feel like not even accessing my grandmother. I feel like she, a thread of her inhabited me. And the idea that I can accept as real that a piece of another soul is merged with my soul means that I actually accept another realm. And accepting another realm means that God is in my life. So it's not a matter of how to channel God and like whatever. It means it's like I'm just showing an example of what it actually looks like to be open, I guess. I don't know if I'm explaining what I'm trying to explain, but I will know by the responses I get to this podcast. So anyways, that's the podcast for today. I hope that you enjoy it or don't enjoy it or spread it around or whatever you do. And my most important thing is I hope that you can find a way to accept your whatever is bothering you and and be okay with whatever you want to have be okay. I hope you have a happy day. Thank you for listening and talk to you soon. Bye. The opinions expressed in the Dave Fremlin Show are strictly opinions. I am not an expert. The Dave Fremlin Show is written, directed, and produced by Dave Fremlin and is a Dave Fremlin production. Thank you for listening.